people, the giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. George Bush doesn't care about black people. shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough, and I'm too disrespectful of them. But now, I know I'm simply a strong black woman. Corporations are treated like people, and people are treated like things. They promote legislation that attacks voting rights, the poor, LGBT citizens, the immigrant community, and civil rights that are lewd, mean-spirited, and fundamentally contrary to what our democracy is supposed to be. Let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP. Welcome to Resistance Radio. We are broadcasting live from the Ace Hotel. We got a crowded room, so give it up, y'all. All right. Thank you so much. It is a crazy uh, downtown. My name is Mark Dallandary. It's a Saints game. And uh, today, are, you're Renard? I am unscripted. You are unscripted. Renard is on his way in? or Should be, yeah. Should be. Yes. All right. Uh, it has been a little bit of a crazy. We're good. So it has been a, a, an absolute crazy uh, uh, day. Uh, the Saints are playing here. The downtown is completely on fire. Uh, I want to say uh, hello, unscripted. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Um, while we wait for Renard, I'll just. I got a little bit of an intro here. Uh, on August 16th, around 1 a.m., the NOPD arrested arrested Kjo, otherwise known as the freestyle rapper, unscripted for playing loud music at a prohibited time on Frenchman Street, New Orleans. When the police arrested Joe, they also impounded his truck and confiscated his equipment. Joe can only access his equipment, and which is essentially his livelihood, once granted a court order. So today, we're going to be spending the hour with hip-hop artist Unscripted and Renard Bridgewater, who is the Community Engagement Coordinator for the Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans, also called MACNO. You can find more information on... Uh, unscripted at the real unscripted on instagram and unscripted for real on twitter and we'll talk a bit about macno when uh renard is here it was parking an issue or it's a lot of traffic out there today <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of traffic yeah yeah you're right traffic. so unscripted thank you so much i i uh, i really do appreciate uh, uh you guys uh, being here 
I know that when um, when y'all when Renard had reached out to WHIV and to Resistance Radio in particular, he wanted it was at that time it was a little to the time of the arrest. I know some time has since passed, but this was the you know uh, within a live venue. This was the first opportunity. So can you maybe take us back to that? Well, even before we do that, tell people who you are. Where are you from? How did you? Uh, I, I, I skateboarded by you about three weeks ago. You started rapping about me. And uh, you were like, there's a dude, the three-piece suit. You did much better than that. I hate having to. <laughs> uh, and I looked back, and I saw you, and I'm like, I think that's the guy that's going to be on WHIV. That so how did you – are you Renard? All right, Renard, come on in, man. It's such a pleasure to meet you, man. I'm Mark Allen. Um, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Okay, um, my name is K. Joe Unscripted. Um, I've been living in New Orleans for about four years. I'm originally from the Chicago area, uh, specifically from Gary, Indiana, but I moved to New Orleans from Chicago. Um, let me see. When I came to New Orleans, uh, I came here because I was drawn to the spirit of the city, because of the artistry, the freedom to be an artist. Um, and to me, it was like a city that, that allows you to be you without judgment, because you see so many different... Um, genres of music, so many different types of artistry, whether it's visual, whether it's through audio, whatever. You just see it, and it's just a freedom of expression. And besides that, I want to get away from cold weather. So those two things are the... <laughs> and I would imagine Gary, Indiana, and New Orleans, Louisiana are probably is about two opposite totally. places. Totally. <laughs> and I would imagine that, that just, just talking about Gary real quickly, because I'm really fascinated with cities that were once the hubs that held the middle class, that were places that unions and workers and, and laborers had a lot of uh, influence. And of course, I would imagine Gary's one of those cities. When I lived in Cleveland in the late 1990s, early 2000s, just watching that city kind of disintegrate from, from Cleveland was really dramatic. Uh, and I would imagine that your family may have been caught up in some of that, or were there? Yeah, I mean, a lot of families, because the city was, centered, was definitely centered around the steel industry. So when you know, competition, of course, came in from, you know, like overseas, Japan, with making steel cheaper and things of that nature. And also uh, what we call white flight that left the city uh, abandoned with, uh, with uh, a lot of inexperienced people taking helm of a lot of different positions. And they may not have been too qualified for, but needed to be handled. So the the city took yeah it took a took a took a drastic hit you know from those two major things. So. Yeah, it, it's a, that's unfortunate. So you got into you you got into music. How, how did that journey start for you? Um, I've actually been I've been involved with music I, I, probably for like my entire life. But um, prior to uh, moving to New Orleans, I actually hosted a show that I would do in Chicago called One Night Only because I was mostly known for before I came to New Orleans I was mostly known for doing poetry. And so uh, people back home know me for doing that. And I hosted a show where it was a live show. I had musicians, poets, and vocalists and things of that nature. The things that people have come to witness me do, which, what I call the unscripted experience now, is just something that I would literally do in the privacy, either by myself or with my small group of friends. But I never did it publicly until I came to New Orleans. But like I said, New Orleans is that place that makes you feel like whatever you have inside you, you can put it on display for the world to see. And we know that a lot of people visit New Orleans because of the billions of dollars that's being made on tourism every year. So, yeah. So, yeah. 
And so just for the sake of tonight, and I ask out of respect, is Keijo or Unscripted, or how, how can I... You know, Keijo or Unscripted. People mostly know me here for it. Unscripted. As unscripted. Of, yeah. Okay, super. So you're saying that you did what you, you started doing, which you do four years ago in New Orleans. But you had been three, doing Actually, it, three years ago. Three years? Wow. Three years ago. Yeah. I never did it. I never did it. That is amazing. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Well, I'm so glad you came to New Orleans. Welcome home. Thank you. Uh, uh, our streets are, are, are better uh, with your voices uh, on it. And uh and when I scooted by you, I appreciated uh, your, your observations of, of me. So. <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate you. Um, so joining us now, uh, because, again, like, it has been a crazy a day getting here, and I wish I'd given you a bit of a heads up, uh, Renard. I, was, I had so much going on, I, I should have had the intuition to say something. But it's joining us good. is somebody who uh, works for an organization that I admire greatly. Um, and, of course, that's the uh, Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans, also referred to as MACNO. And you can can get more information about MACNO at mccno.com. Uh, they uh, tweet and Instagram at musicculture50504. And then uh, on Facebook, it's MACNO, MCCNO page on Facebook. And of course, uh, uh, with us today is uh, Renard Bridgewater, who's the Community Engagement Coordinator for the Music uh, and Culture Coalition of New Orleans. And I'm going to ask you a few questions about MACNO uh, in a moment. Sure. But can you just tell us how? Uh, how I know that uh, in, in getting ready for this uh, this talk, you had sent me some links and stuff to look at. I know that you guys have been working together, both you and Unscripted have been working together for a few years. And maybe kind of uh, describe the nature of that relationship and how it came about. Yeah, I think we originally met um, at a mutual friend who's also an artist, in a spoken word artist. I think it was like his birthday party or something like that. We originally yeah. met, um, and then from there, after that initial encounter, just had stayed in touch with each other as his interactions with law enforcement became more prevalent um, with him performing on the street. And then, I'm not sure, I don't recall exactly who hooked you up with us as far uh, as that. Corey Thelonious. Okay, another, yeah. <laughs> another yeah. mutual artist yeah. uh, in hip-hop MC had mentioned, you know, the work that I was doing with Macno. Um, you know, and then from there, just kind of, I think ultimately what we try to do, not only with Unscripted, but any street performer in this city is just mainly trying to provide as many resources as possible. So I think ultimately uh, what occurs when there's any type of interaction with law enforcement that a busker or a street performer deals with specifically is they don't necessarily feel they have anyone that they can contact in that regards um, and just trying to find the various resources that are available to them to be able to um, not necessarily like pursue damages, but just make accountability a real realistic thing, not only for them, but for the individuals that they encounter. I, I have always seen Macno is, uh, you know, uh, we have this idea of culture bearers, right? We have culture bearers. These are the folks that, that, that make New Orleans, New Orleans, that people want to come down to New Orleans uh, to see. When it comes to music particularly, I've always seen Macno as allowing and giving these culture barriers, in this case musicians particularly, the tools necessary so that they can continue to be culture barriers. Correct. So, real quickly, can you just kind of talk to us a bit about what you do with me? First start talking to us a bit about MACNO. Mm -hmm. Maybe give us the kind of how, uh, how you guys, uh, what MACNO is. Uh, and I have several, I went through the website and was able to kind of peel some things off of it that I thought were really fascinating. And then what you do with MACNO. Yeah. I mean, so MACNO, um, 
is a nonprofit organization based in the city. I've uh, been doing work, advocacy work for New Orleans musicians, culture bears, and street performers for the past several years. Uh, we work at the intersection of social justice, policy, and culture, which is a very fancy and finesse way of saying that we, we organize and advocate with as well as on the behalf of um, cultural practitioners, street performers, and musicians to pursue um, policy initiatives that benefit them at the end of the day. Um, unfortunately, as, as much as we love our city and it being the birthplace of jazz and arguably um, the birthplace of American music, um, the individuals that we serve and we work with are usually brought into in any public input process last um, compared to them being the first people at those tables, right, in regards to pieces of policy and, and laws that directly affect them. So that's um, the work that we do. Uh, generally speaking, it started in 2012 as a result of grassroots organizing um, that was taking place as our former mayor, Landrew, was uh, working to more or less trying to get various neighborhood venues that uh, had live music taken place there as well as live music venues in the city um, trying to bring them more or less up to code but what that did is just mainly directly affected everyone's livelihood you know regardless of we're talking about musicians we're talking about barbacks we're talking about um, you know venue managers etc etc cetera, et cetera. everyone was directly affected uh, by that um, that that government work that was being done to bring um, enforcement up to code it was directly affecting people's pockets so grassroots organizing started taking place in 2012 out of that came the nonprofit that we have today um, my work specifically for the past three years has been um, mediating the differences between law enforcement and street performers so uh, regardless if I'm being called emailed uh, tweeted um, or directly interacting um, between street performers and law enforcement, interpersonal relationships between street performers, um, or you know the relationships and interactions that they have directly with businesses and residents. That's that's uh, a bulk of my work in addition to our community-based partnership. So, and and do you have a background in this, or are you just naturally like a, a, a talented and and natural mediator where you can bring two parties to the table to kind of see each other's uh, uh, arguments or see the way? No, I've definitely had some training <laughs> in that regards to be able to, you know, um, help with that mediation process because uh, I am trained as a community uh, mediator through the Office of the Independent Police Monitor. Um, but, yeah, I was just, I was a musician. I am a musician and artist um, and got involved with MACNO originally as a member, I think around 2014, 2015, but was directly affected um, as an artist during that 2012 push. Uh, several of my gigs, you know, had gotten cut at different venues around the city because of the action um, by the mayor, you know, in those bureaucratic agencies. So I was knowing that um, and having that experience uh, originally prompted me to organization. And then, um, you know, around 2016, actually became an employee of the organization uh, just as a result of wanting to do something different and, and work a day job, per se, uh, that allowed me to still be able to create, um, but, but also have like an advocacy and community-based push. If you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIVLP. This is Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Allendarian. It's an amazing pleasure for me to have uh, two really amazing people uh, here today. Uh, uh, we have uh, freestyle rapper Unscripted, otherwise uh, uh, or K Joe, um, and more information about Unscripted uh, can be found at the Real Unscripted on Instagram and Unscripted for Real on Twitter. 
And we are uh, spending the hour as well with Renard Bridgewater, who's the Community Engagement Coordinator for MACNO, also known as the Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans. More information about them can be found at MCCNO, that's MACNO.com, Music Culture 504 on both Twitter and, and Instagram, and MACNO page on Facebook. Before we get into um, kind of what, what brought us to this, can I ask why you are separating the word music culture? Um, or culture barriers and street performers. I, I see them as one. I'm just curious why you guys are separating them. I think that's a good question. Um, I don't think we necessarily separated. I think that, you know, you can look at a culture, but I, I personally, both professionally, and I think that we as an organization as well, look at as cult, our street performers as culture barriers. Because, um, you know, like Unscripted, you know, you have uh, various street performers that are out there during catchings. You have Young Fellas Brass Band that people from all across the world come and see. So they are, in essence, culture bears. They are, in essence, culture ambassadors for this city. I definitely will say that. Um, I think the the reason why that distinction has been made over the past several years from an organization, excuse me, an organizational standpoint is because um, unlike a lot of other arts and culture um, organizations in the city, we specifically deal with our street performers. Not many others are, you know, dealing with, you know, that hands-on approach as far as any policies that directly affect them, you know, mediating the differences that they have with law enforcement, with there being nine different law enforcement agencies that operate in and around the French Quarter. Um, so, you know, they are, even though they are culture bearers, yes, they're a very specific sect um, of individuals within the culture that a lot of folks have either not um, had that direct experience with um, or are just not, unfortunately, dealing with. And I'm going to get to this in a minute, but just to be clear, you said nine different yes. law enforcement. Yes, sir. Okay, I just didn't want to bury the lead yeah, there. Yeah, that is nine, nine different. I <laughs> Correct. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second. Um, in 2019, uh, it seems as though uh, Frenchman Street uh, has certainly has made the news a lot with three very high-profile kind of arrests of, of music, uh, of musicians, uh, one brass band, and of course uh, as some some rappers as well. So I guess that, uh, unscripted. I, I think the event happened on August 16th, uh, very very early 15th. in the morning. 15th. Uh, 15th. Well, got it. Give or take the time. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, so so around August 15th. So what happened? I mean, so to walk us through it, and then maybe if you could give yeah, us a little, rewind. give yeah, us a little, rewind a little bit, because yeah, I know the story okay. starts before that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number one, I was like, I've been doing this for three years, and being coming from a different type of environment, like so I came from a corporate environment, and decided just to follow my passion when I came down here. Uh, when I initially started street performing, I didn't know what the rules were, and then as we, as I mentioned earlier, um, uh, a friend of mine, Corey. Uh, told me about uh, Renard after I had a situation where I was shut down in the area I was playing. I can't remember where. And so after speaking to uh, Renard and Magno, and they provided me a document that's like a street guide for all street performers that basically breaks down um, the do's and don'ts for street performers. So it gave me the tools to let me know what I could do, what I shouldn't do, you know, so what I'm able to do and things of that nature and what, and what my what my uh what what I'm what I'm protected by as far as the um the uh, the laws and the constitution things of that nature. So saying that I was trying I tended to be as proactive as possible with the uh, street performing thing. So um I started doing this in July of 2016 uh Essence Festival. 
So, and you know, it had its ups and downs, but never did that any other artist at any other time, I guess, had really been faced with, because I think we all had some situations. But for three years, until like February of this year, I was performing on Frenchman Street one night, and I had a night, and my music cuts off. And I'm like, okay, I know I charged my batteries. You know what happened? So I turn around, and there's a couple, uh, a man and wife, uh, standing behind the, to the, the side of my vehicle. They unplugged my equipment. And can you quickly tell us how you, what the setup is so that we have a visualization? Yeah, okay, um, the setup that I have, um, and this, it, this will be a long story, but I, quickly, I, play, like I, play, I play out of the back of my truck, but that's not how I started playing, but just for the sake of where we are. Um, because of the changes on Frenchman Street with the gentrification and open, opening of different businesses, including the bookstore that the um, Brassman had problems with, I tr- tried to eliminate being in the way of anything. So I, so I just started, I used all my, my property, personal property, to, uh, to my advantage for performing, which is my vehicles, the truck. Um, I have a mic, speaker, and um, a looping device. So somebody came up to your property yes. and they reached in and they unplugged, unplugged. your power, or unplugged yes. a, a cable yes. or something. Okay. Yes. And so we had, you know, um, the, the, the man's wife was screaming at the top of her lungs. And the thing is, because this was before the because I saw her right here at first, but, you know, she just screamed. I was like, who is this lady? And then she went around and then disappeared. I thought she disappeared. That's when my equipment became unplugged. And then I found out they basically, we had a conversation. And they were like, um, can you move? <laughs> and I was like, no, I can't move. This is where I play. I've been playing here for three years. And I even broke down to them the process of how I ended up being there. And it was like, well, the end of, the end of that conversation was, well, we're going to do everything in our power to get you shut down. And from that point on. Did they own the property? Was it on their, I don't, they like, what, out why of, did they want you gone? Did they just not like what you were, like, were they nearby i mean like they, they, i think they said they lived somewhere in the neighborhood i still don't know to this day where they live okay so it wasn't like they didn't they weren't on french they weren't french because you know frenchmen you have all businesses you know clubs restaurants and um uh galleries so they just i, I really to this day i couldn't tell you specifically where they come from but somewhere in the neighborhood maybe around charters or something like that so theoretically your music is not carrying over to where they are, no, theoretically. No, no. There's probably 18 bands that are playing yeah. inside Frenchman whose yeah. music is bleeding out of the doors. There is so and... much music. Got being, it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to set that up. Yeah. Okay. So, so with that being said, that's when things start, um, start kind of going downhill for me then, and which um, uh, there was a, a person that's in the position. I can't. What's the office? The office. Um, Cecil, um, the permits per office. office of safety and permits. Yeah, office of safety permits. They they came out with some type of rule um, later on, but it didn't it didn't really um, pertain to what I do. But they tried to make it seem just just so they can quell this couple going and complaining to whom, whomever, like uh, Councilman Palmer in the 2nd District, right? 2nd District. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
and um, even down to the mayor's office. It, it just they just kept complaining. Well, but just to be clear, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. But just, you were doing everything. You had been canceled by Renard. Yes. You were doing everything at that time yes. by the book, by if the you book. will, right? By the book. And then what happened was that the laws or the rules or regulations started to shift to accommodate this couple? To accommodate, yeah, to accommodate the complaints. Um, even And I forgot to mention the, uh, because one of the things that's crucial for us, especially doing what I'm doing, because I, I, with the speakers and everything, with Amplify Music, we have to be with the, uh, below a certain decibel level. And so with that being said, I've had several um, uh, testings done by the health department, and they're the only ones that have the official equipment that can actually meter my sound levels, and I've always passed those. And so prior and after that incident, I even tried to set up another sound recording through me and through Renard, and I was told, basically I was told no, you know what I'm saying, because of something that was getting ready to happen or something. I still, like, like I said, being proactive, I attempted to get another sound recording just to show that I am in that, you know, that sound level that I need to be. And then, I'm, you know, like I said, just been consistently trying to be, um, um, have be a part into the neighborhood compliant. with what I'm doing. You're being yeah. compliant. Being compliant. Yeah. You're, you're making your living. At the same yeah. time, you're following the rules as has been dictated to yes. you and as has been uh, as, um, as translated and, and uh, by MACNO, the professionals who help musicians understand right. what these rules are. Because I know, listen, I, I'm like you. I, be, I would look at these and I'd be like, what is all this? <laughs> you right. know, I need yeah. professionals to help, help right. out. So then what happened on, uh, on August 15th? On August 15th, um, leading, unto, leading, up, uh, leading to August 15th, on, um, on Frenchman Street, Thursday through Sunday, there's a private detail, uh, a detail that's um, handled by either sheriff deputies or levy cops. So, and these are the one of different nine yes. police forces? Yes. Got it. Okay. So prior to that night, one of the levy cops who I see all the time, he's all, first, you know, he's, oh, yeah, he's probably one of the people in the crowd originally. And then when they, when they came out with this rule they tried to, he just totally, like, just turned coat and just, like, totally just, you know, whenever I came over, they didn't even give me an opportunity to even set up. As soon as I would come up and just turn my music on, they was, you got to shut down. So, and even on another weekend, there was a sheriff deputy who I had never seen before. He walked past me about three or four times. And then later on, he came and said, I was instructed that you're not supposed to be playing. And prior to that, he walked by, listened to the music, and then and hold out. But not only did he tell me that, he said I had to shut down, break my equipment down, and leave the actual area, or I would be arrested. So, that set up August 15th. Um, so on August 15th, I, um, you know, went just doing my normal thing. I started playing and that same sheriff deputy came out and said, look, you have to, I said, no, I said, I have the right to be out here. I'm actually in the process of in a mediation with, um, uh, councilman Palmer, the office, I think maybe a representative from, um, possibly from the mayor's office, the, um, health department, MACNO was involved, and there was another organization. Um, I think it was NOPD. NOPD, and the Ella, pro- the Ella, Ella Project. Project. Right, attorneys um, for musicians. Yeah, so I told them this, like, because I literally, I had been texted and um, given, I, they asked me to give them three dates where we can set up a sound recording, and I told the cop this. 
and he refused to listen. So I said, well, can I speak to your supervisor? Knowing that his supervisor is a third party and not because he's not operating in his official capacity as a sheriff deputy. So I was assuming that he was going to either get a phone call from the, the actual per- person that owns the private detail or I wasn't going to get to hear anything at all. So maybe about 20 minutes later, I think two squad cars, NOPD cars come up <laughs> and they approached me and basically said, um, this is Lieutenant Luster, he's basically told me, he said, I told you, you cannot play here anymore. And, and I was like, you told me I can't. I was like, I had not explained to him the same thing. Um, I'm in the middle of a mediation. If I'm in the middle of a mediation, why would we do a mediation? If I don't have the right to be here, there's no need for a mediation. So I tried to, so they did not listen. So they immediately said, "You're going to be arrested, confiscated my equipment, took me to jail, and I've never been to jail in my life prior to that point. I never, yeah, I've never been to jail, ever. And so um, that's basically that's basically what happened. That's basically what happened. If you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is one of uh, this is Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Allendary. It's a real honor and pleasure uh, to have on uh, K. Joe, otherwise known as the freestyle rapper, unscripted, who was arrested on August 15th for playing loud music at a prohibited time on Frenchman Street. And we just heard him tell a story. You can find more information about Unscripted at The Real Unscripted on Instagram and Unscripted for Real on Twitter. Also with us today is the Community Engagement Coordinator for the Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans, also called MACNO. More information can be found at macno.com, uh, and that's Renard Bridgewater. So I assume, Renard, at this time, this is when you got pulled into the process again, or kind of like maybe tell us kind of what happened on the administrative side. Definitely. I, I mean, from my perspective, I was involved from the initial um, interaction that Unscripted had with those residents because uh, once that occurred, they had pulled the plug on his equipment. He called me the next day, um, filled me in on what was happening from there. I believe he actually passed my contact information to that resident yes. and vice versa. And then from there, I actually called them and had, you know, at least a good 45 minutes to an hour conversation uh, with the husband of that couple. Um, I mean, ultimately, you know, trying to use those mediation skills over the phone to be able to hear both sides. Um, we got to a point in a conversation, it was a bit of an impasse where unfortunately, and I'll never forget this, and I'm, I'm definitely paraphrasing, but the gentleman pretty much said that um, I feel as if I am... In, in combat or conflict with, uh, I'm, I'm fighting against uh, the streets. I'm fighting against what's happening, um, you know, from a performance standpoint, uh, you know, as far as my quality of life is concerned. And then for me, it was more or less a response of, you know, in this city, right, in New Orleans, you should not feel that you're in combat or conflict with culture, right? Because culture is something that organically happens in our communities. It happens in our neighborhoods. And, and Frenchman is one of those, you know, cultural incubators. So. And it's one of the reasons why 20 million people a year come to New Orleans, Correct. right? And, and without obviously keeping their their, their confidentiality, Definitely. are they um, are, do they live in New Orleans? Had they just recently moved to New Orleans? I think uh, they had recently moved within that time period, sometime within the beginning of this year. And is there an, do we have an understanding of why particularly unscripted? as opposed to a lot of the other bars that, I mean, if they lived a distant way, I, 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 you know, 
I, I really, you know, I mean, it's uh, unknown to me, unfortunately. You know, I, that corner is a very popular corner. We all know that. Is that the corner with the bookstore? On the yeah, opposite on the side. Opposites. We're on the yeah. so we're like, same like, intersection. Same intersection. Same intersection. Frenchman and Charters. Got it. Okay. You know, um, so you're going to have multiple performers there. Of course. It's a historic corner, yeah. man. Before that, they build a dat dog there. Before that, it was an open lot for exactly. for years. I, I can't even remember ever anything being on there Correct. ever in my time here. So then, um, yeah, it's just another, you know, folks that come in and, and – but let me ask you this. Does an ordinary citizen have that much leverage in our, you know, within the city administration that turn it down all of a sudden somebody who's a culture barrier, a culture bearer for New Orleans can automatically be arrested? Regardless if they're, you know, renting or owning a property. So then, then you know, I mentioned we prefaced this conversation by talking about 2019 being a year. So we saw Eugene, little Eugene Grant, who uh, is with the Young Fellows Brass Band, who's very well known, who was playing, who also plays on that corner. Do you, and I assume you play yeah, after now, them? Yeah, now they play on the same corner, but they used to play. Before oh, they played in front of the bookstore before. They, they right, they, yeah. right, right. That's right. And then we'll talk about MC Ray Wimley in, in just a moment. But maybe give us a quick little rundown. We had um, the attorney for Little Eugene uh, or Eugene Grant on Resistance Radio a couple weeks after this had happened. But maybe give us a quick I, – I, I don't want to paraphrase what happened. I would imagine you probably have a better understanding. Help us kind of walk us through what happened uh, that night in February of 2019. Yeah, I mean, with, with Eugene and the young fellas, unfortunately, I mean, you had NOPD officers that instead of de-escalating that situation, it was heightened, you know, very quickly. Um, the owner of the bookstore had continuously having interactions with the band, wanted them not to block um, the entryway to the business, even though he was repeatedly using 
um, the brass band on social media and whatnot to be able to bring business into the place. Um, and also a community mediator like myself, not using those skills um, at his disposal to be able to work on a solution. He's also a comedian. He's he also is. a mediator. He's skilled. Now we have different skills. Got it. I understand. I, <laughs> this is the first I was unaware <laughs> right, of. That. Right. And also, let's just be very clear because I think it's very, very worth noting that this is not the same owner of the bookstore that had Correct. owned it Correct. for thirty years. Correct. This was a couple a that owner. also moved yes. in from out of town. Right. I think it's it's. I think it's fair. But that's a point that needs to be made. Correct. Yeah, I mean, because it was, you know, and there was a brand change, right? So this was a queer French, uh, Frenchman-based bookstore that was owned by a man. I, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, at this moment. Um, with him having some health concerns and complications, it was, the business was taken over by the current owner. So those are two different individuals. Right. Yes. And then what... Uh, and then, of course, the incidents escalated. I think it even became somewhat of a national story. I think yes. for Washington uh, Post covered it right mm -hmm. a day or two. Right. Um, and uh, what what, did, what 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 came was there any resolution or what was the final mediation? I mean, unfortunately, no. Um, once Eugene was arrested, you know, we at Macno were looking to um, engage in a mediation process between the owner and then the brass band. It was something that. Uh, they were open to. However, he was not open to it. He specifically wanted um, that situation to take place with all of the members of the band. And that was something um, that, you know, was not doable, right. unfortunately. Understood. Yeah, so they weren't able to come to terms uh, to be able to make that a feasible, you know. And is this one of the reasons why they're now playing across the street? Correct. Yes. Got it. And I think that was more an immediate solution so that one, they didn't get arrested again, you know, and things didn't get heightened to that point. Um, and then thankfully, it was a situation where there was self-policing by the managerial staff of Willie Chicken Shack who intervened and said, Willie hey, you can actually right, perform yeah. on this corner. We don't have right. a problem with you being right, here. Right, right, right. I thought it was a dad dog, but you're right. It's Willie's Chicken Shack. So the couple that uh, for you unscripted that had complained, you play after the brass band. after the young fellows brass band play. Correct. Were there complaints? Do they have complaints about uh, the young fellows brass band too? I mean, the young fellows have been dealing with it just as long, if actually longer than unscripted. I mean, they, from my understanding, have been out there pre-Katrina. You know, there's been various sure, iterations sure, of the sure, band, sure, sure, um, but sure. it's something they've that been there they have as been, long as I remember. Right. But they've been dealing with that, you know, as businesses pop up, as, you know, new residents move in. But I'm talking particularly about the same couple that... No, no, that, no, 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 not at all. So there's something... <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to pinpoint is that... I hear you, okay. specific. Yeah, yeah, I just, wanted, yeah. I just wanted to kind yeah, of... Yeah. Okay, and then maybe walk us through um, local viral internet fame uh, when a video appeared of him uh, rapping with Common in New Orleans and I'm talking about uh, MC Ray Wimley mm -hmm. and I think what he does is he raps and he has like a like he has a small band with him like I think he has a keyboard on occasion, Every occasion. occasion. Got right. It. Right. And, and there was some harassment as well with him I mean he's dealt with it too I mean unfortunately for him it's he's no longer performing in that spot and I think that's a direct result of the harassment that he's received, right? Regardless if it's from law enforcement or the businesses on Frenchman. So he's no longer in, I mean, not just Ray, but you have other street performers who have chosen not to perform in that corner because of the harassment that they received over the years. And Unscripted, what about yourself? Are you still... You, you know what? Every, ever since the arrest, um, I think I, I just had a conversation with a week ago. What was it two weeks ago? There was officer that did come 
And for once, the conversation was slightly different, which was kind of shocking to me. Um, the cop, it was a, it was a, a, a female officer, and I wish I would have got a name and badge and everything. But uh, she came and she was like, uh, look, she was like, <laughs> she said, I cannot, she said, I cannot shut you down, you know, or uh, she said, but I'm asking you if you can turn the volume down. And I was in complete shock because that was the first and I, that I was ever given an option ever the entire time that I've um, been out here. You and, know? and to be clear, though, your volume. Volume has been tested. Has been tested, and you are below, below the maximum the decibel, decibel right. Right. maximum. And the marshals and cops get the same, but the poor white man's used in the hands of them all like a tool. He's taught in his school From the start by the rule That the laws are with him To protect his white skin To keep up his hate So he never thinks straight About the shape that he's in So it ain't him to blame He's only a pawn in that game From the poverty shacks he looks from the cracks to the tracks And the hoofbeats pound in his brain And he's taught how to walk in a pack Shoot in the back with his fist in a clinch To hang and to lynch To hide neath a hood To kill with no pain Like a dog on a chain He ain't got no name But it ain't him to blame He's only a pawn in their game. They met There's no, you're not able to share that right. at the end of right. the day, right? Where law enforcement is directly interacting with you. Um, they're getting that call. It's not like they're actually going to that resident's home and having a, you know, eye to eye conversation yeah. with them. So that's directly the, at me. directly at me, the yeah. negative side of it where, you know, it's, it's not an equitable process at the end of the day. Right. Right. And also let me just say that this is community radio. Uh, and unfortunately uh, our feed goes down. So if y'all have been listening and we've been kind of clicking in and out, that's just because of our feed. Um, so what, uh, what happened? With, are y'all still in media? right now and also are you are there legal are you in any legal we're, issues right now we're kind of like in limbo i'll put it like this i've also worked with organization as well called uh, justice and beyond and they've helped try to help on my behalf as far as even drafting letters i'm actually through reverend manning supposedly was supposed to be having a meeting with mayor cantrell which is yet to happen and it's been over two or three months um, and we have emails where we contract contact her scheduler. The scheduler's not responded. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, just I'm trying to make everybody as aware of the situation as possible. And uh, Mayor Cantrell being the head of the entire city right now um, should know, which I believe that she actually does know. But yeah. And then, what about legal? Are you? Is there like? A, do you now have a? Court I do have. Yes, or? I do have an attorney that I'm working with, and right now I'm just in the process of making sure that I'm being very meticulous about how I move forward. Of course. With um to to deal with the situation that occurred, so I'm just really being very careful about how. But yeah, I'm definitely have 
an attorney that I'm dealing with. And has this also affected your ability to, you know, make money? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, because between February and August, I definitely lost money. Um, and and now to the point where, because of what happened, you know, when a cop comes, I'm it's like I'm almost triggered because okay, what are they here? You know, what are they here for? What are you here for? You know. And even though, like I said, the, the last interaction was kind of, I'll say it's kind of favorable. She did she did give me the option to turn it down. She said, I can't make, you know. But it was just, I was just taken aback because I was never spoken to like that the entire time. I was, I was, all, I was always told you have to shut down, leave, try to see again some other time. You know what I'm saying? It was never, I was never given the option or told, oh, can you just turn it down a little bit, you know. If you're tuned in, you are listening to WHIV. This is Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Allen Derry. It's really an honor and pleasure to be speaking with a freestyle rapper, Unscripted, uh, who was arrested on August 15th uh, for, quote-unquote, playing loud music on Frenchman. More information about him can be found at The Real Unscripted on Instagram and Unscripted for Real on Twitter. Also with us is the Community Engagement coordinator for the music and coalition of new orleans otherwise known as macno and that's renard bridgewater you can find more information about them at macno mccno.com so um the fact that renard the fact that the uh, police officer actually gave unscripted the option to treat she said that i can't i can't uh uh tell you to leave but i'm asking you to turn you down that must mean that something somebody got the message and it, it uh, you know, the, the, the work that you've been doing, I see that as a sign of success. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a minor success for sure. I mean, but I, I think, unfortunately, from a systemic standpoint, you know, when you have a system or a structure in place um, and one that either is not specifically trained when it comes to the laws of street performance, you're more or less going officer to officer. I mean, thankfully, that officer, yeah. you know, that officer, you know, handled the situation and that interaction, you know, in a democratic way um, compared to, you know, banning unscripted from the area, telling him he needed to leave, you know, threatening the rest, et cetera, et cetera. All these different things that he and so many other street performers have encountered. Um, so I think, you know, it's it's a credit to our work, but it's also um, a, a discredit to it because, you know, when you have. Um, street performers that are continuously being arrested and you have residents and owner business owners that are weaponizing police against these culture bearers, you know, it's, it's a, it's all dependent upon that moment, right? It's all dependent upon that officer. So at the drop of a dime, it could instantaneously be either about that officer making the correct decision, or it could be because, okay, knowing ahead of time that um, there was an interaction previously where X, Y, and Z got arrested for doing justice, then maybe that's the reason why they're actually handling it different compared to our actual advocacy work. If you wanted to make a difference with the police officers, you had mentioned that there's nine separate law enforcement. Right. If, uh, I would lo- if you know all nine of them, I would love to, to oh, hear. Yeah. That's or... always the pop quiz. Um, yeah, sorry. I would imagine you said Levy, you said NOPD, you said there was a private so, sheriff. So NOPD, Levy, Harbor Police, Harbor Police. Yes. How are they? <laughs> They're involved. Levy, Levy and Harbor <laughs> Police. That's insane. Sheriff's deputies, state police. Right, state. Um, you have the there's French Quarter Task Force. So it's a private entity. Correct, which right. is made up of off-duty, you know, PD officers. Right. Um, you've got the security guards that are outside the Royal Street Courthouse. 
There's some Office of Homeland Security folks that are um, in the building by the aquarium. So I think that's eight. And I'm missing they, another one. The folks they've interacted with street performers. Now they might not necessarily make their no, way to no, Frenchman. Frenchman. Got it. Got but it. Got it. Got it. Another area. Royal Street or order. what have you. Correct. Yeah. So now, if has there been a discussion or a dialogue with any of the nine, or at least representatives of the nine, how to de-escalate a situation? And did what happened with Eugene Grant kind of help facilitate a conversation? Uh, or are we still at square one, really? I think we're still in limbo. Because like, like I said, I got arrested on Thursday. On Monday, there was a meeting regarding me and the other artists. So if there was any solution, I don't know where it was. Because if there was, because like I said, I mentioned earlier, I had asked to be at that table at that meeting so they can hear from the artist side. And they refused to allow that to happen. So after this happened, I went back and I said, see, yeah, now if had I been at that meeting, maybe this would not have happened to me because that nobody, evidently that information wasn't passed down to NOPD that this shouldn't have happened. So it's in limbo. I'm just going to say it's, it's basically in limbo right now. Yeah, I mean, it feels back at square one, unfortunately. I mean, you know, you had a mediation process that was supposed to be occurring when unscripted. I mean, but we've seen, you know, since that time period. Nothing. We, we haven't seen anything that's proactively been done by the city to be able to mitigate um, future arrests, and future arrests have happened. Um, there's been you, two. You mean since August, oh, yeah. there's, uh-huh. been, there's been more there's arrests? There's been two in November. There's been two in of, November. Of street performers. Of street performers. That yes. were just doing their craft. They weren't Correct. lighting things on fire. They, weren't, they were just playing music or rapping or doing whatever it is Correct. that they do. Got it. Correct. So, I mean, when you have those examples directly, you know, front in your face, that's, you know, it, it's the writing's on the wall in that situation. If you could wave, wave a magic wand, <laughs> like, I mean, in this situation, and, and, and trust me when I say that as, as a musician myself um, and, uh, and as somebody who appreciates culture bearers as the two of you and who runs and started, you know, WHIV as a mechanism for culture bearers in New Orleans, um, you know where my sympathies lie. So, but to a large degree, hearing what the business owners say and hearing what the residents say, um, those people who move in from out of town to those areas, those people, I, I have a hard time. You knew what you were moving into, right? Correct. You know, it reminds me of the story of what happened when these uh, the folks that own the tattoo parlor next to um, the the place deep in the Bywater, the wine bar, uh, that tried to shut down their uh, that tried to shut down their music, and they they actually did. Uh, and I can't remember the name of that of that of that restaurant and bar. They were from out of town, and then they ended up leaving. Uh, but if you could wave a magic wand that somehow that does accommodate what the business owners and the and and uh, and residential folks, you know, how, how do we how do we find a happy medium, or how do we find a space where culture bearers can do their work so that the the economic engine of the city continues to drive on with twenty million visitors a year? Uh, I I think for that ultimately, let's say this as you heard on script to say earlier. The only individuals or the only city agency that is trained to be able to do decibel readings is the health department. Um, They actually enforce sound-related laws, but they do it specifically with businesses. Maybe the situation is where you have the health department actually take on that role to be able to handle noise complaints. Let me ask you this. Have you thought about possibly getting trained as MACNO 
to be able to be certified, to be able to go about with the various other street artists or uh, performers uh, and do your own measurements and, and then be able to provide a, cer- a certificate so that this way when, you know, if they're ever harassed, a certificate could be shown saying these are the settings. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, maybe Mac is empowered to do this so this way the health department who's busy doing health department things are Correct. not running around right. taking care of this stuff. Now, I will say what we've done um, with MACNO in the health department for at least a year and a half or so, we were taking part in the um, those sound readings that a script that had mentioned earlier where myself and then what um, they, I believe they call a, a, a quality, um, it's like sound technique or there's some specific category of, of, you know, for that employee. But we would literally walk the streets of either the French Quarter, you know, or Frenchmen um, and do those sound readings right then and there. And my job was mainly to, you know, introduce them. Um, introduce, yeah, right. <laughs> and, and also, like, bring about the culture change, right? Like, we were mainly looking to be able to establish a direct connection between the health department employees and those street performers. So they not they weren't necessarily seeing those individuals as law enforcement or the same way that they would see police and immediately pick up their equipment and then leave and depart. We're trying to say, hey, you know, these folks are here specifically to educate and inform. You know, let me introduce you to X, Y, and Z. You'll be seeing their face when you see them. This is what's happening compared to, you know, bringing taking your equipment and then, you know, running off so that you don't get a summons because you're not going to get one from them. So that's something that we directly work with them on for the past couple of years, you know, from that standpoint. I would imagine that one of those little meters that they use that, that um, you know, you guys could fundraise to buy one of those things in a uh, yeah, minute. Right. I would, WHIV would help fundraise for that. I'm glad and, to hear that. And, and something to think about. Let me ask you this. Is there somebody at the city that you can turn to immediately? Is there like a like a, an office of the culture bearer at the city or someone within the mayor's office. I know that unscripted, you said you were dealing with a councilwoman, a Kristen Palmer. Yeah. Like, is there, and if there was, if there isn't, and if one was created, do you think that that would be also helpful as well? Yeah. I'm, I think what I've seen in previous instances is where the office of cultural economy has been very beneficial, you know, not only right. to cultural the work economy, that we were of course, doing, of course, of but course. also, you know, to when in previous instances, when we had questions about the laws or, you know, we were looking to be able to uh, remedy situations that were occurring on the streets, we would, you know, lean on uh, that office for that, um, for those different things. Unfortunately, now we aren't able to do that. I mean, They've kind of taken on a new role within the city as far as, you know, the way that they interact, I guess, with, you know, tourism agencies and things like that. So things have kind of shifted from that standpoint. Um, So, you know, like we've been saying, we're kind of at square one from that standpoint as far as being able to um, find a city agency or be able to have, you know, that that assistance that's necessary from a bureaucratic and, you know, a policy stakeholder side of things. Got it. And unscripted, as we're starting to kind of wind down here, are there? How are you able to? Uh, how are you performing? Are you able to make money, or how are you able to kind of sustain your life? You know what? Right I, I, I am back performing again on Frenchman, but like I said, it's like okay, I'm looking. I feel like I'm looking over my shoulder. You know what I'm saying? So I haven't gotten back to the same level of comfort that I had prior 
when things were really like rolling for me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm kind of like baby steps, taking my baby steps back because like I said, you just never know because there is anything explicit that says you can do this, you can do that. It's just like things just flip all the time. It's like depending on the different, the, the coin flip of the day. You know what I'm saying? So it's just hard to say. And I would imagine for the type of rapping that you do that um, I, I assume you do, that I saw you do, you're able to kind of like, somebody's able to throw out a word, you see something. Yeah, it's total improv. And so words just come to you yeah, and you're totally. able to... I don't, to write, yeah, I don't write anything. I just, I just get up and just start speaking. Yeah. And I would imagine that you're able to do that in a much, you're able to do that in a better zone when you don't have like exactly. a little anxiety exactly. Exactly. in the background and what right. happens if you see uh, yeah. you know, the state officer with the big yeah. hats yeah. or whatever, Definitely. that that probably triggers you a little yeah. bit, huh? And I want to say this too, because even with, even, even I think because you have freedom of speech, but even the fact that, okay, I, with the freestyle thing, it's clean. I don't curse or anything. So it's always, it's always a positive thing. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that I'm doing it, literally off the cuff you know what i'm saying it's, it's just amazing yeah. yeah and then i would imagine that tourist or not tourists but i would imagine that the crowd that you bring in appreciate that oh definitely you yeah. know i mean they're yeah. coming to new orleans and they probably see that that's something that happens in new orleans and yeah and like i say anybody can enjoy it you're two-year-old you know what i'm saying you know any, it, it's for anyone you right, know right. Yeah, yeah and just let me ask you just a, a, a quick couple of geeky musician things where how do you find your beats or what do you do or do you do you, do you well, program yourself? Or? Yeah, and what I do at the start of my set, like I said, I use a looper. So actually, I create a beat, and I call it a mic check. So I do that first, just to get draw people in. And then I, then after that, I actually, I basically ram over classic or golden era hip-hop. It might be like Biggie, Rakim, you know, who, you know just the, what I consider real hip-hop. So those type of instrumentals. And... Um, and, and I'll play like this too. Me doing this has opened up so many doors for me. Like I played with a band called Another Resistance. We've I've been to LA like five times. I just got back from LA. I was in Miami for Art Basel. And so it what I do is been appreciated. I was in London. I was in London like two months ago. And even in London, they have more of an explicit level of what well, this is what you can do. So it's you know exactly what's what. So this has opened up so many doors for me. And like I said, I went from Nobody knowing I can do this to like really the world knowing I can I can do this and I still love New Orleans. I don't I haven't loved every incident that I've had to deal with as of late, but I still love the city and then I still call it home. So. Well, I'll tell you what, New Orleans loves you, um, and I the, the 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 work that you do and the music that you bring and the happiness and the joy that you bring to our city and to the people who visit our city and the folks that are out on Frenchman Street. I uh, I, I again I, I saw you perform once and you completely blew me away and so thank you for all that you do and i i i wish that it wasn't like this <laughs> and i wish i could take a renard's magic wand <laughs> and and wave it um but uh, moving forward uh, things with macno you guys i wanted to talk a little bit about macno uh, what amazing work that you do we have we have a minute left uh maybe give us a quick plug about macno's some things that are happening and maybe some closing thoughts yeah, just trying to get ready for next year and, and you know, support our musicians and, and culture bears and street performers as much as possible. You know, looking forward to celebrating our eighth year um, of doing that type of advocacy work coming up in September. Um, yeah, I mean, cultural master plan is a, a big part of our processes for 2020 as far as like just being able to put something tangibly on paper that protects individuals like Unscripted at the end of the day and not live 
um, down at the city, but also have it be implemented in that way as well. So that's something that we've been working on for the past year and a half, two years, um, and, and looking forward to doing that in 2020. So. Renard Bridgewater, who is the uh, Community Engagement Coordinator for the Music and Coalition of New Orleans, also called MACNO. You can find more information about them at MACNO, that's M-C-C-N-O.com. Also, they uh, tweet at uh, Music Culture 504, and they Instagram at Music Culture 504. Also, their Facebook page is M-C-C-N-O, that's MACNO page.